Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. But before I get started, I want to give a shout out to Human Octane. If you're the kind of person who pushes the limit, then you've got to check out Human Octane Apparel. Training and racing apparel designed by OCR athletes, and these guys just get it. Everything they make dries lightning fast, has zippered pockets, is abrasion resistant in high contact areas without bulky padding. I've gotten to know these guys, and trust me, they're going to out-innovate the competition when it comes to OCR gear. Check them out at humanoctane.com. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Hello, hello, hello. Here we are. It's Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving. I hope everyone had a lovely homebody-style meal with their family and all is good. We are going to do something different today, something that uh, we haven't ever done before, I don't think. We're going to do a best-of-episode type of thing, and we're going to award some gifts to people that were kind enough to provide us with an opinion of what episodes they thought was most informative and which they thought was most entertaining. And we're going to give away a gold package to any running clinic in 2018 that you care to participate in. And for those of you that don't know what that is, that's $500, folks. VO2 max tests, resting metabolic assessment, gait evaluation, hands-on, running clinic. It's a three-day affair. You know, a lot of people fight over this stuff, so you're going to be lucky enough to own one of those if we choose you. And then we also are going to give away the day two aspect of the uh, clinic, which is everything but the testing which is about $175 value. We're going to give some of those away. And our good friends over at Human Octane, actually good friend, Brent Kokel, owner, founder, creator, Human Octane, Obstacle Racing Apparel, is going to give away some gift certificates. We're going to have, oh, geez, a handful of those to give away. And so, with no further ado, I'm going to bring on my Coho Sean, you there? I am here, Rich. Uh, really excited to be with you today. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to all, and you know, to the to the tune of all those giveaways, we got we got some really uh, valuable things uh, for everybody uh, for the holiday season. Yeah, it's cool. You know, I used to do like a Black Friday and just give stuff away, but this time it was more entertaining because, first of all, some of these folks were kind enough to go onto iTunes and give us a review, give us a five star rating, which I completely and wholeheartedly appreciate because that, you know, who knows, maybe one day that'll put us in a better place and we get more traffic and oh, blah, dee, oh, blah, da, we become rock stars. <laughs> and I think even more than that, Rich, I think uh, some of the reviews, very detailed, um, very good commentary for just the natural running network. So really appreciated by everybody that not only took the time to give a five-star review, but just 
the detail in terms of what you really like about the podcast. So, right. Well, I narrowed it down to three episodes that seem to have come up often among the people that wrote in. And um, I have little snippets that we're going to play. We're not in a big hurry today. We're going to play these little snippets. So, again, don't get nervous. It's not going to take forever. I think collectively there are about 10 minutes of each episode. So about 30 minutes worth of listening enjoyment. And um, it's going to be good. So get a live mic. Who's who's uh, 205-0085? Laura just That'd joined. That'd be me. <laughs> Hello. We got Laura live. Woohoo, I made it. <laughs> Yeah, and Jack's Everybody waiting in the green room. Should I bring him on, Rich? Yeah, let's go ahead and bring him on. All right, Jack, you're on. Okay. Hey, Jack. Hey, Richard, what's going on? Uh, you know, every day above ground, brother. You know, I always say that. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Well, you know, it's it wasn't a traditional Thanksgiving by any stretch. This time around, my wife and I elected to just go ahead and find a nice restaurant. And um, you know what's really ironic is I eat turkey almost every day. Ground turkey, turkey sandwiches. It's like, what do I want turkey for? So I had yeah. me a big, beautiful steak, which I never eat at home. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, switching it up. Yeah, well, you know, I had a nice bottle of champagne, a real nice Zinfandel. Uh, it was good. It was good. So, yeah, we. I guess – all said and done, it was it was a great little uh, soiree between the wife and I. Thanks, awesome. Laura. Yeah. How's the weather out there? It's actually beautiful today. Uh, can't complain. Sun's out. Gorgeous. Well, what's so, what's it's a little what's, colder uh, than California, what's the weather? though? So. Uh, like it's going to be 40, 90, <laughs> It's going to be ninety today. Oh, wow. never. <laughs> yeah, it's been like 80. It's been 80 every day this last week. It's going to be 90 today. And I'm coming out to the East Coast soon. It's just going to be harsh. Yeah, you're coming in December, which is, mind you, when it's super cold, especially for you coming from California. I mean, you thought October was cold. It snowed, but it's going to be probably even colder. Dude, I'm coming from Mexico. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be like. Oh. Almost, I'm gonna be coming from almost Guatemala, and uh, it's gonna be 90 every day there. Not to mention the tremendous amounts of alcoholic beverages I'll be consuming, given that it's a celebration of my 65th birthday. Hell yeah! Happy birthday! That's old, ain't it? That'll probably keep you warm for uh, the East Coast clinic, though. So. Uh, I'm going to try to right. bring some back. I may not yeah. be that sharp, but I'll be there. All right, so uh, we're going to give away some stuff, but we're going to listen to some episodes first. But before we do, um, let's just go ahead and talk about – I guess we should kind of reel this out slowly. What do you think? Oh, Everybody yeah, good with that? I'm good. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's let's go with what was coined the most entertaining. Should we start there? I think sure. that's a great start. I have two shows that I think fall into that category. And I think I'm going to go with Jack's pick first, since Jack is on the line. Nice. Um, because, Mark's uh, choice, Richard. 
you know, what we need to do is we need to get this sad story out of the way and then use the next two stories to kind of lighten things up. Because if you've never listened to this podcast, it's, by the way, it's one of the oldest podcasts I did. I think I did this podcast in December of 2012. It was an interview with Gilbert Toulbunye, who is from Burundi, Africa. And he actually has written a couple books, but he talks about his being attacked by these warring factions when the Hutus and the Tutsis were at each other's throats in Burundi in Africa. I don't want to ruin it. I want to just play it out. But when you start to get all teary-eyed and, and think that how fortunate you are to be where you are, time and space, we're going to lighten things up and we're going to go on to some other things. So, Jack, you want to set this up? What are your thoughts about this, Jack? You picked this. Yeah, I, I, this is one of the first episodes that I listened to um, when I started listening to you. I, you know, I, I listened to a couple of your newest ones and then decided to go in the vault and listen to a few more. And it's just humbling, like, when you listen to it, how someone can overcome just such adversity. Like, imagine just going to school and then the next, later that day, every single one of your classmates is just dead uh, because some some rebels came and just burned down your entire school. Like, just the description that he gives and goes into on just how much of, like, a, a, a horrible massacre it was and how he just managed to slip away kind of, without anyone detecting him and just it was, it was unreal just just hearing that and it just kind of gives you a whole new perspective on life it's like oh man i'm coming home i had to stay at the office two hours late i don't know if i'm gonna have time to train this guy literally saw every single one of his classmates and teachers just killed right in front of his eyes he got burned himself and he overcame it and ended up almost making the Olympics. Like the, it's just an incredible story overall, and that by far the one that I remember the most. And I think it also holds a, a pretty special place because I think it's the only time in your podcast history that you've gone ten minutes consecutively without talking. So it's <laughs> pretty amazing to be also. And incidentally, my jaw was on the ground the whole time. Yeah. Laura, have you heard this episode? Yeah. I was going to say, did you, I think you talked about this at the clinic um, when you were out this way, because I remember you talking about it, but I, I haven't heard the actual episode, so I actually would be interested in hearing a piece of it myself. Yeah, Sean, did you listen to it? I have not. Oh, man. Oh, you guys are missing All right, look, look, I'll tell you what, with no further ado, you guys sit tight, and I'm going to play this for, I've got about uh, seven minutes worth of this, I'm going to play it right now. And we're going to go right into it, so there's not going to be a lot of hubbub. It's going to go right to Gilbert. Here it comes. I was born in Burundi in a small country, and uh, growing up, I didn't have all these privilege that American had. Um, my daily routine would be getting up in the morning, and I would run, walk six miles to school. And before I do that, I would have to go fetch the water for my family so they can cook while I'm in the school. And I would stay at the school for, you know, from 8 to 5 o'clock. And then at 5 o'clock, I would go home. And then uh, it would be also again to fetch water. You're talking about walking two miles, one mile down and one mile up with uh, the jug of water at the top of my head. And then it will be a time to, you know, to go guide the, the cows. 
And I did that through sixth grade, and then the seventh grade, that's where uh, I was separate by my per- my parents. I went to a boarding school in seventh grade, and um, when I was in seventh grade, uh, I won a race. It was uh, five miles that the school was trying to select a team to do cross country. When I, ran, I won the race, uh, and I remember, and this word started talking to me, uh, every time I'm about to do a race, uh, a coach came up to me and he said, son, you can be the best, not only here, but all over the world. To me, I didn't have a TV, I didn't have an internet, I didn't have a computer. The world to me was the school, and I just wandered five miles. Then, 1993, October the 21st, the day that I would ever forget in my entire life, that day... I thought it was going to be a normal day, but it wasn't. Uh, the Hutu president was assassinated by extremist duties. And in act of retaliation, the Hutu came to my school. They locked every Tutsi they could find, teacher, student. It was, it was a very, very sad moment. I witnessed my friends dying one by one, and I was waiting for my turn. But before we get inside the building, we were roped together in a death march, marching towards a place. It was a Gaza station. It was a place they had chosen so they can burn everyone. And then uh, before you get inside the building, we were stripped naked. We didn't have any clothes. And then they would spray gasoline on our body. So, and then they would make sure that before you enter the building, they hit you on the neck. So you kind of paralyzed. Right at the entrance, uh, there was these kids. His dad was a general in the army. He didn't want to get inside the building. And they started chopping him in two pieces, and I got a chance to jump inside the building before they can hit me on my neck. And when I got inside the building, the room was full. You're talking about a couple hundred. The room was full of innocent teachers, students, and then they burned the building. That's really when I witnessed all my friends dying, and there's nothing I can do. I spent eight hours in that burning building praying to God, um, asking for help. I almost killed myself. I I tried to suicide myself, but the voice kept telling me that I'll be okay. I didn't know what was talking to me, but the voice was really strong. The voice was telling me that I'll be okay. Finally, I took a dead body. I didn't have a choice. I broke the window, and I jumped. And when I landed outside, my friends, these people were waiting for me. They were chanting. They were celebrating the massacre. And when I jumped, I jumped and landed in the midst of them. They did not see me. Up to today, I called a miracle. Then I ran. 
And I was running, they were chasing me. It was dark. They couldn't see me. But I was a I was badly burned. I couldn't move. I couldn't move. I lost thirty percent of my body. And as I was trying to escape, everything got tight. It was almost five o'clock in the morning, and I was going to uh, a hospital. A hospital nearby because I was my idea was I didn't know when I would receive the help. I was going to find some um some medicine to clean up the wounds so I don't get in, infected. And then that's when I had a soldiers the soldiers they luckily they were they were two kids and some of some of them knew who I was and took me and transferred me to a hospital where I spent three months in the hospital. And in those three months in the hospital, I was really, really angry. I couldn't understand how in the world these people tried to kill me, and now I am alive. I couldn't put together, because some of those were my friends. Some of those were my teammates in 4x4 on any time we do relays. And I was also in the drumming team. Some of them were also in that team. I couldn't put together. I was really, really angry. But I started reading the Bible, and I came up to uh, a conclusion, forgiveness. Forgive those people who trying to kill me, and so I can move on. It was not easy until I found uh, running. And to me, running is my therapy. Running is a joy. Running is a freedom. Running is the vehicle that connected me to all the blessings that I have in my life. All right, so that's the only piece that I uh, offered up today. But, Laura, since you've never heard this before, what's your thoughts? Well, I'm I'm cheering. <laughs> wow, um, that's it's, it's mind blowing. I can see why Jack was, you know, uh, really big on the the podcast. I was just, um, it really puts it into a different perspective of. Uh, how blessed we are to have that ability to do what we do and run and um, yeah, wow. <laughs> well, let me Incredible. just invite you now. to you, you need to listen to the entire episode. It's anybody that's just heard that and not heard this episode before, you got to hear the whole thing because he. It was interesting how he went from explaining this heinous crime in this literal unforgiving circumstance that he was involved in. 30% of his body burned. And I read the book. The book is called The Voice in My Heart. But he talked about how, I mean, he, he was in much more detail in, in the book. But basically what happened, he, he was down to him and a girl that were left in this building. And these guys would come in and check every now and then to make sure that the fire was still burning. And... If if it wasn't burning well enough, they'd throw more gas in there. They were throwing, like, burned tires and whatever in there. And what he would do is he would literally crawl under the burning bodies to hide so that they wouldn't see him. And then he tried to help the girl get out of the building. He literally tried to throw her through the window, but they caught her and they chopped her up. 
he finally got down to he was the only only person still alive in that building with 200 students that were in that building had burned. And uh, he finally jumped out and got away. But we got into talking about other things. And, and incidentally, he is coaching people in Texas now, a running coach. He's got a group called uh, Gilbert's Gazelles. And he's such a cool guy. He starts talking about the songs they used to sing in Africa when they would run and how much fun he used to have sliding down the mountain on banana leaves and how he used to hunt with his father with a spear. <laughs> it was really crazy. I, I had him on a couple different times to talk about a lot of th- Actually, I tried to get him to come out to California to participate in one of my clinics with me, and, and he was all about it. We were going to do it, and just one thing or another, we didn't get it done. But um, just a powerful part. For me, I'm just telling you, for me, having participated in all the interviews that I've done since the very beginning, over 300 episodes I've done, that to me was the most powerful conversation interview that I've ever had with anyone in my entire life. So, Jack, thank you for picking that. I should tell you that there was a few other people that actually thought that this was also the first pick because you picked it and uh, you seem to be right on top of it. We're going to give you the gold package. Really? Wow. Uh, I was not expecting that. Thank you, Richard. I truly appreciate it. Right. Well, we're going to give you a gold package, and I think we're also going to toss in a $50 gift certificate to Human Octane, too. Wow. I, I keep hearing about them, and with it being Black Friday, I'm definitely going to be checking them out. So I honestly can't say thank you enough, Richard. They made my day. Oh, cool. Well, thanks for reminding me how powerful an episode that was. Sean, you haven't had a chance to talk about this. What did you think since you heard that little bit? You know, uh, truly outstanding just on the fact of, you know, when when you almost think you have no out, you just simply find a way. And even though that way isn't guaranteed, just for him to go through that. And I just wonder from a mental perspective, you know, how, how much that, that comes, especially when he's re- retelling the story. But uh, just – you know, truly uh, an amazing story in the sense of how he got out and to, to the point of, you know, uh, trying to help save that girl. And, you know, uh, it, it's just amazing that those type of things happen. But for him to be able to get out and, and make a better life out of it, it's uh, it's inspirational. I put the episode back up on the new site, and I think it's entitled Running for Your Life. Outrunning genocide or something, I think it was. Well, it's been up a couple times. I brought it back a couple times because I I just, whenever I think, what would be a good show to bring back? I just, that's always been my go-to because it's just such a powerful interview. And actually, I had him back. I had him back in the second one. We were just talking about coaching techniques and stuff and how they ran in Africa. And that was all good stuff, too. So anyone listening, by all means, I highly recommend you check that one out. Yeah, you, you should just pin that one to the top of your website. Like, are you new to this site? I already know I'm going to be. This one. It's, you know, it's I already fun, know I'm going to be it's, checking it out, so. If you listen, if you listen to the entire thing, it's, it's, it really gets – I mean, he turned table, and he was real lighthearted. And, you know, he's not like one of those uh, poor me, poor me kind of guys. He moved forward, man. He really did. And uh, um, I saw – I've seen videos of his coaching technique, and he's a lot of fun to be around. Uh, again, it it was one of my favorites, and I highly recommend people listen to it. So uh, let's move on. I think that this particular episode, we got a lot of response for it, a lot of response. Sean, which one do you think it was? 
Uh, train the dark side. Absolutely. Yeah. And I so, think yeah. that was, I think that was interesting for me to see because it's a fascinating topic, and I really believe that it's, it's a critical component of training, and it was, in my opinion, it was categorized as probably the most informative, at least the most people appreciated it from an information perspective. So we're going to go ahead and pipe this in real quick, unless you guys have any questions or thoughts before we start it. Let's get going. Yeah, I mean, I think oh, I was just going to add in real quick that it, it's such a delicate topic because you don't know, do I train above lactate threshold? Do, how much time should I spend there as an OCR athlete? It's just such a fine balance. So, yeah, it, it was a super informative episode. Well, I'm writing a book about it. I'm going to write a book about it. I'm, I'm in that book already. But you know what's really entertaining is that the more I learn, the more it keeps me from releasing my thought because uh, I've learned more. And I, every time I learn more, I, I just want to interject new information. So uh, I'm going to put the, put the brakes on it. I'm going, to, I'm going to get it to print. And I had promised I'd get it out by the end of the summer. And it's clearly we're into the winter now, so I didn't make that happen. But I'm going to make that uh, my bucket list event for 2018. So let's go ahead and play it, and you guys can give some thoughts on what you what I had to say and what you're thinking about it. All right, so look, here's what I want to do today. And I, I brought you on because I'm going to need your help to keep me focused, all right? All right. I want to talk about kind of a big subject. And it's a big subject to me, and I think that it should be a bigger subject to a lot of guys out there that are training. But the, the thing that I find fascinating about training is there's just so much that most people don't understand in respect to training with heart rate and or how to manipulate their metabolic pathways. Now, someone might hear me say this right now and think, I'm going to hang up on this guy. This is, this is not going where I want it to go today. I'm but I'm telling sweaty. you, folks, you've got to listen to this because if I don't screw this up, you're going to come away with, whoa, I did not know that. And boy, am I glad I stuck around to listen to this. Now I got it out there. I promise you it's going to be worth listening to. I wrote a piece a while back called Training the Dark Side. And for those studious listeners that have been with me for a while, have probably already downloaded that little bit and absorbed it and understand pretty much where this is going to head. But what I want to do is I want to talk about lactate tolerance training. And the reason I want to talk about it is because most people don't get it. They think lactic acid, and they think, well, that's that burning sensation in my leg because I've got a lot of lactate there, and that's the soreness that I feel the following day, and I'm going to get on my foam roller and flush out that lactic acid, or I'm going to have some body work done. I'm going to go see my favorite masseuse, and they're going to help me flush out the lactic acid from my muscles. And all these misnomers that people have been living with for a long, long, long time. What I'm hoping to do is dispel some of the myths and bring some creative thinking to the table here because when you learn to effectively develop your anaerobic metabolism. It is the key to success in most 
racing events. Get me all worked up just I talking know. about it. You feeling me? You feeling me yet? I'm getting all worked up just uh, all right. about it. So let's let's just put it out there. Early before we got on the show, Miguel, you told me, hey, you know, I've been keeping my heart rate below that threshold, like you told me, keeping aerobic, getting in that base work, and that's all great. By the way, as a matter of fact. It's necessary. It's not only necessary, it should be the majority of the things that you do. As I told you before we got on, I've been doing a ton of research, and I've been spending some quality time looking into some of the writings and preachings of Dr. Steven Seiler, who, for those that don't know who that cat is, he's an exercise scientist that's living in Norway right now, born and bred in Texas, but 17 years away and been living in Norway. And so you don't hear much from him. He's kind of back there lurking in the darkness, but the guy's been doing a ton of research on the greatest performances of endurance athletes or in athletic sport, Olympians. It's fascinating when you look at the paradigms in the way most of the successful athletes train. There's some real common threads. And Recently, I had Matt Fitzgerald on, and Matt's pretty much a student of Seiler's as well. As a matter of fact, the teachings of Seiler were the basis of Matt's book called The 80-20 Formula. In essence, what it was all about is that if you do the research, you'll find that some of the greatest athletes on the planet are commonly dedicating about 80% of their training to aerobic conditioning and about 20% to high-intensity training. And they they avoid all that that is in between. You were going to say something? You're about to tell me that that's the wrong way to do it. No, I'm not. I'm not oh, going to okay. tell you that. But I'm going to tell you there's something missing. And I've, Sounds like it. Yeah. Well, it's an opinion, right? And I'm entitled but I, I, I really believe there's something missing. And I've said it a lot, and you've heard me say it before. And I've said it, and I'll say it now. There are basically three things you can do in training. One is develop your aerobic metabolic pathways, the presence of oxygen, burning fat. Teach your body to access fat stores for energy because you've got tons of it. The longer you could stay in your fat-burning the less you're going to be expending your precious sugar stores. Okay? You've heard me say that a million times. I did it this entire weekend. <laughs> and then the other end of it is developing your anaerobic pathways, which is the polar opposite energy system, which is reliant on sugar and equally important. Now, I'm, I'm being careful to choose my words because I'm going to deviate from that thought process a bit. And it's going to be important. So, again, if you guys are, like, listening, thinking, oh, no, he's getting a little complicated, or I don't know if I like what he's talking about, I'm leaving right now, don't do it. Hang out. I'm telling you, it's going to get better. You haven't heard this before. And the middle thing, the other thing is, and this is where I deviate from some of the other thoughts or thinkers, thoughters, whatever. Thinkers. Thinkers. <laughs> but, the point, <laughs> but, the, but the point is, is that motor skill development mechanical aptitude it is, it is absolutely the glue between those two energy systems 
The more efficiently you're capable of moving through space, the lower the cost. And I've been using the, the, uh, the comment, you want to pay wholesale for retail items. <laughs> you don't want to pay retail. And by developing your motor skills, you make both energy systems an easier path. So here's where I'm going to deviate a little bit. Here's actually the focus of the whole conversation that I hope to put out here. Looking back at lactate, lactate development is part of our natural metabolic processes. We are developing lactate as you and I sit where we are at this very moment. So it's normal function. Lactic acid is really not different than lactate. It, the acidic nature of the lactate is not even lactate at all. The acidic nature of the production of lactate comes from potassium, and hydrogen ions, okay? Lactate in itself gets a bad rap for being poison in the muscle. It is not. It's actually another pathway to energy development. And you look back at some of the guys that have been doing the research and doing the study, guys like George Brooks, who's at the University of Berkeley. He says that training actually teaches muscle cells how to use lactate as a fuel to get more bang for your buck. I'm quoting him now. With training, mitochondria grow, take in more lactate via the shuttle, and burn it to generate more energy. Boy, I can't read very well, can I? You're doing fine. Okay, going. so you've heard me talk about this. You might not recall it, but I've talked about the lactate shuttle system. And essentially yeah. what happens is, when you start to develop work, and let's just for the sake of simplicity talk about running because this is the natural running network. True that. When you start to run hard, you start to produce lactate, a lot of lactate within the regional muscles. And this lactate, if it's not processed properly, the more lactate you bring in, the more hydrogen that, that hitchhikes along with it, and it starts to become an irritant in the the muscle and the nerve right. endings. And what ends it feels up, like your legs weigh a ton. Not only does it do that, but it actually will cause the muscles to stop functioning. And it's I thought I found it really interesting that what they did is they did experiments with dead frogs. So it says here that in the early 20th century, physiologists stimulated isolated frog muscles to contract until exhaustion. They found that the tissues had accumulated high amounts of lactic acid. Since then, the idea that lactic acid accumulation causes muscle fatigue, it has persisted. So in other words, from these dead frogs, we assume that lactic acid causes rigor, and that's essentially what shuts muscle down. So lactic acid's a bad thing. And then yeah. we were constantly finding ways to try to flush this lactic acid from the muscles. And so... This has kind of been the bad rap that lactic acid has gathered over the years. And what we're finding is that, first of all, lactic acid is the result of the glycolytic energy production system. So glycolytic means sugar, which is yeah. 
absence of oxygen. So anaerobic metabolism is the glycolytic energy pathways, okay? Okay. But it's an energy source that can be used in muscle cells of its origin. So in other words, where it came from, it could actually end up being usable fuel once again, the lactate. It's actually the preferred energy for the heart and the brain. Lactate is. Correct. What happens is it gets processed by the liver, it's made into glucose, and punches back into the bloodstream and feeds active muscle and functionality. So in other words, your brain depends on lactate as a fuel source. And your liver loves to turn lactate into glucose and eventually will punch that glucose back into your muscles, becoming glycogen, and ultimately end up being usable energy. And it can actually end up being 30% of the energy demands that you have relative to what you have from your glycogen or carbohydrate stores in the body. Like to you, so you're saying like the, the process of, of that lactate being turned back into glucose, it takes 30% of our energy, or you're saying that that it creates, is 30% it of our energy? About, right, so right. here's what ends up happening. Let's, let's start, start from the beginning. We were talking about a runner going down the road and going hard. Yeah. And then now he's starting to feel the acidic effects of this ensuing lactate production within the muscles. Yes. And if he continues to push at that rate, eventually he'll need to slow down or stop because he's becoming so toxic with this ensuing lactate production that it becomes just untenable. It's going to shut him down. Yeah. Now, the, the notion that lactate was, in fact, the culprit behind this demise is incorrect. Okay. What it turns it. out being is that with the ensuing production of lactate comes about the ensuing hitchhiking production of hydrogen. And yes. hydrogen is an irritant on nerve endings and muscle fibers. It tends to shut you down. But when you train properly, which is where we're going with all of this, when you train properly, you teach your body to take that production of lactate, relocate it via the lactate shuttle system to push it into your liver and or to push it in regions of your body that are not working and reside there until later days where it will it'll process this lactate into glucose through your liver and shove it back into the working muscles as an auxiliary energy source. Okay. So this happens only when you properly approach training in such a way that you're teaching your body to solve this problem of acidic effect in the muscles. In other words, if, for example, your approach to interval training, because interval training is essentially the, the solution to this problem, by the way. If okay. your approach to interval training is to Let's just say we're going to do a two-to-one effort. So two times recovery, one time work. But during yeah. that one time work, and let's, let's call it five and ten minutes, okay? So ten okay. minutes recovery, five minutes work. During that okay. five minutes worth of effort, you punch your heart rate up to such a point that the production of lactate exceeds your ability to clear it. You don't learn anything from that effort. It shuts you down. 
Yeah. And if you continually do that, you'll find the wall every time. It'll shut you down, shut you down, shut you down. Any thoughts well, on wait. that? Arguments? Questions? Difficulties? Like well, it's, just, it's funny for me chemistry. because uh, actually I, I listened to this last week as I was, you know, going through all your podcasts and wanting to learn more and learn more. And this one actually stood out a lot to me as well, which is funny that it was chosen. Uh, I was even drawing pictures to try to understand the uh, the process of glycogen to uh, lactate to glucose, et cetera. Um, and the more you think about it from that scientific standpoint, it makes so much sense in why it it, it actually is a better choice for, for long-term energy. Cause for me, I, you know, in the beginning, like you said, for what people usually think of lactate as, um, and just to flush it out, flush it out. That's exactly how I thought of it. And so I'd be going out there constantly trying to run at full effort. And if I didn't PR from last time, it would just be a, such a disappointment when really it's, it's the depth of the science aspect, which you highlight that makes the difference, not just trying to outrun yourself. <laughs> so right. I, I agree. This one is definitely, um, it, you learn a lot from it and well, I, I would probably I listen spoke, to it at least one more time. <laughs> I spoke about this a couple different times and I just pulled this one out and I don't even know if it was the better one, but the point of the matter is that as Jack was suggesting, it's a very sensitive issue in that it's not like a, I was listening to George Brooks, Dr. George Brooks, talk about how lactate tolerance training is such a big buzz. Everybody wants to have that template where tell me specifically what I should do so that I can get better at reinvigorating myself with this lactate, causing it to be an energy source as opposed to having it be a debilitating component of my efforts. And he said that because everybody's unique in their capacities, that it's almost impossible to write a program that would be universally accepted. By the way, since we're talking about it, it's, it's the reason why having a VO2 test and uh, identifying your anaerobic or, or lactate threshold is so important because the sensitivity for one person versus another can be completely different. And it generally has no bearing on your VO2 max. So, yeah, it was a good one. I, and, I totally agree. Yes. Like like Richard was saying, that you really it varies so much from person to person. And I'm not just trying to hype it because I'm you know on the air with him right now. His his clinics are truly useful, um, especially the the testing. Like you will find out the heart rate that you need to be at where you can use uh, your lactate threshold to your advantage, just because they're there's so many misconceptions, and it sounds like, you know, such a bad word, lactate, but like he was explaining, you can use it to your advantage, and if you know your exact heart rate where you need to be at, you're, you're going to be way better off and get the most out of your training because of that. Well, I'll mm-hmm. tell you something that you might not know. It's been kind of a bone of contention for me for a long time. You know how it works on social media. Everybody chimes in. Everybody's got an opinion. And sometimes mm-hmm. people will look at the uh, cost factors of what we charge for what we do. And every now and then I'll get somebody say, well, you know, uh, I'm going to go ahead and get my test done at this university, blah, 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 or this guy down the street. And I'll tell you what a lot of people are not aware of. 
when these tests are conducted where there's a direct gas analysis uh, that's the basis of this information, most of these machines are geared to look for this deflection point where the production of carbon dioxide starts to exceed the rate in which the oxygen uptake was occurring. Now, that might be a little confusing for you, but basically these two gases are being measured in milliliters per minute. How much one gas is versus the other being generated. And they typically will be chumming along at a relatively even linear rate. And then all of a sudden, the CO2 levels will start precipitously rise over the rate that the oxygen uptake is, is moving. But you could still very well be highly aerobic, and it'll cause it to be called your anaerobic threshold. So you may be told to train at a particular heart rate that is not appropriate for you. So what I do is I look at the individual and as they're working and the responses I'm getting based on their efforts, and I look at the gas exchange relative to what they're doing, and then I start looking at the percentage of fat that's still available to them, which is suggesting how aerobic they are still and how much intensity they can take on relative to the work they're doing and what would be a better place to be in order to improve this lactate tolerance. And, I, and you're probably going, what? But I'm just saying that this is where experience comes into play. If you've done this enough times, you get a, let's call it Kentucky windage. You probably don't remember this. But basically, it, it's, it's a, call it an educated guess as to what would be a better prescription relative to what the computer wants to default and tell you to do. I do remember the you, you saying the Kentucky whatever. Windage. <laughs> Does anybody but me know what that, that one? I, I know where Kentucky is on a map, but that's it, about remember. it. <laughs> Kentucky windage was the term that they used back in the day when you, you were going to shoot an animal, you know, with your musket, and yeah. how how much you were going to lead it in order to. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, got it. <laughs> But I you have to be that. old enough. You have to be old enough to be firing a musket to remember that. <laughs> and and that would probably still just be me in the room. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. So there was a there was, yeah, cut it out. There was a lot of people that that uh, that chimed in and said they like the uh, LT training episodes. So John, Laura, I'm going to have you guys pick yep. some of them. And let's give them, let's give away like, uh, let's give away two day twos bronze packages. And let's also give them a couple of, uh, eh, let's give them each a $50 gift certificate. So I'm leaving it to you guys. Pick, pick a couple people. All right. And we're talking um, about taming the dark side, right? Cause that's what yeah. a lot of people label it as. Okay. Right. Um, I will say first, uh, Sarah Knight was one of the first people to bring that up to me. So we'll give Sarah um, uh, a bronze uh, package if that's all good. I may sound like really crazy right now, but where is this part? <laughs> the, uh, Where's what? The iTunes, the iTunes list of uh, comments. Well, you don't have uh, to only go to the iTunes list. You can go to uh, the comments on either Rich's post or mine. And uh, oh, okay. where it says, yeah, and that's what I'm, I, I've just, I've kind of compiled a small list of 
you know, what people wrote as terms of uh, their favorite episodes. And, and I'm just looking at that. Um, uh-huh. I'm going to message you the list. I thought I did that already. All right. I didn't get a list. I got a list of the uh, the prizes. Well, that's part of it. All right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. All right, Wait so, yes. That's all right. We got technology going on here. Technology. This is great. live radio for everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, go ahead and check your uh, messenger. I gave you a list. So you'll see it came up quite often. All right. Here we go. Do, 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 do. Thanks. <laughs> you got a thing for us while we wait? You know, what is that jingle that they do when the people are trying to come up with the answer? I, I think you Jeopardy got it, the, the Jeopardy jingle, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I did a very good job with it, though. <laughs> come on, Laura, you're the I, singer. All right. Yeah. You can't read Well, you know, I, I can try. I can definitely try. All right. So you just gave away a bronze? No, yeah. We're going to give another one away. All right. Let me see right here. All right. We got Max Linder, Lindner uh, with the Irene Davis podcast, um, HRV, and the other dumb stuff. <laughs> you know, the only so downside giving- of uh, selecting Max is he's in Germany. He's going to oh, wait a long time. Why not time to have get a, like a nice little trip over to the U.S. too? <laughs> so maybe give him a gift give card him the, the give him the gift card. Yeah. Oh, well, the okay. problem too again, so that, it's just shipping to the to the other side of the world is probably a little bit of a problem. I know I ran into this before with somebody, um, but let's. Uh, you know what we'll do? We'll give him. Let's give him. Uh, let's give him a fifty dollars gift certificate. And we'll Perfect. present it to his brother, and his brother can purchase something for him, and next time he's in Germany, he'll give it to him. Perfect. So wow. Fabian, Fabian Lindner, um, who I think is also probably on the list here somewhere, we'll, uh, we'll give it to Max, and then we'll have Fabian be the, the handoff guy for Max. What do you think? Awesome. Right, awesome, cool. awesome. But uh, since uh, the uh, – the clinic ain't going to work for him. We're going to have to pick somebody else for that. Okay. Anybody? How about, since I messed that one up. Sorry, Max, but come to the U.S. Um, Victoria Vinette for episode with Emily. Spikel. Uh, how do you, <laughs> Spikel, that one. <laughs> for a bronze. You know, I think she's already signed up for my clinic. <laughs> she is? Yeah. Give her a gift certificate. <laughs> you're, you, boy, you're right, batting I, a right. thousand, Laura. I know. How about uh, Victor Carranza? Because he put the Taming the Dark Side as well as uh, he gave a iTunes review uh, and he gave us a future idea for a podcast in terms of just, uh, you know, opinions about legitimizing OCR and whatnot. We kind of bring that up a, a few times. But how about that? How about Victor? Done deal. Let's give him. Right. Let's give him. A, let's give him a twenty-five dollar gift certificate, and let's give him uh, a bronze package. Yeah. So thanks for giving us uh, everything uh, in terms of a review, uh, future idea, and then uh, rating the podcast, uh, Vic. We really appreciate it. Okay. So look. So while we're going into this next little episode, I want you guys to look at your list, get it organized, so that when we come back, we sound like we know what we're doing. 
<laughs> I, I never got the list, so you're going to need to send it to me as well. Okay, let's send it to Jack. The third podcast, now realize that I went ahead and selected these three episodes based on demand. So I looked at all the threads on Facebook. I looked at the reviews on iTunes. And collectively, these three episodes were the most most uh, appreciated or sought-after episodes. And a lot of people thought from an entertainment perspective that they really enjoyed listening to Hunter and I chat. Probably more listening to Hunter than me, but they uh, they like Hunter. So we are going to play an episode that we did with Hunter. And quite frankly, I don't know which one it was that they enjoyed the most. So I just grabbed one and uh, here's a little piece of it. And meanwhile, Jack, I'm going to send you this thing. Today is Groundhog Day. And as, what's his name? Something Phil. Puckatookie, what, what the hell is his name? Phil. I think Bill Murray, you're talking about. <laughs> as he reared his head up out of the, out, out of the, uh, the hole, he did not see his shadow which means we're going to have more winter. And Hunter McIntyre pulled his butt out of that hole as well and is showing himself after a long winter, taking a nice yeah. long break, right? Hey, man, you know, sometimes you just got to sit on the beaches and just relax. You got to work out so much and run around like a crazy person, so I need a little chill pill. I'll but I'm back. What, I'll tell you what, after that little visit we had this morning, it's been on my mind all day. Yeah. And... um I think the the result of the test that we're going to discuss in a moment are testament of the importance of taking this time off at the end of the season. You're healthy, you're strong, your your numbers came up really nice. You're ready to rock. I'm feeling pretty good. I was actually pretty nervous that you'd find out that um, I was surfing head high waves before I came to see you, and I, I thought my friends tell you or you find out somehow that i was surfing before a big test like this you get pissed but it ended up all paying off so you can't be angry at me now no i'm not gonna be i think it all worked out well it did it did man yeah i think honestly i think um something i've realized uh over the years of training is just how important that downtime is and someone i who's my favorite athlete over time was um I'm having a brain fart here. It's Dave Scott and Mark Allen. Mark Allen would take like three months of training off completely, and he would always come back with just a fire in his belly, and he'd crush everybody worldwide. So uh, I think it's it's important for everybody, whether it be you know from business or training, sport, whatever it might be, you need to have that detox, and you know you can really come back and be supercharged. Otherwise, you're just suppressed all the time. Well, every great athlete knows that downtime is as critical as the work you do. It took me a long time, man. I'm sure a lot of people don't. I know people can't equate rest as a component of progress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what we did today. Um, I I goaded you into doing a resting metabolic assessment. Which is the first time I've ever done that. It was pretty exciting. Well, it probably wasn't going in, but coming out, just the information that came away, I think is pretty revealing, don't you? Yeah, well, honestly, I... Being somebody who's on the heavier side as an athlete, and I, I think a lot of people um, look in the mirror and they say the same thing to themselves. They're like, I need to trim off some pounds so I can get faster. And that ends up being something that becomes a detriment to your success. 
And eventually you're just riding that line where you're kind of just constantly pulling yourself away from achieving your goals because you keep on eating less. And what those numbers, obviously you can share them, but it looks like I need to eat a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of food. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a minute, just for those that are listening. Yeah. Um, we found out that when you're at rest, meaning that if you just lie on that cot like you were while we were testing you for a 24-hour period, your body is going to need um, – I, I have the paperwork here. I'm trying to it, – It's 20, 27 uh, – I think 2,700 calories. 2,693 calories would be required – if you didn't do a thing mm-hmm. for a 24-hour period. And then what was really interesting as well is that of all those calories that your body was pulling from, fortunately for you, a great share of them was coming from your fat stores, which is really, really important. Hell yeah, baby. Yeah. So a lot of people look at it and go, okay, well, calories, calories, whatever. But if you were to be pulling from your sugar stores while you're sleeping and you're in the fasted state and typically people are generally fasted for upwards of 10 or 12 hours from their last meal to their next meal you know so for example if you were to have your last meal at seven o'clock in the evening your next meal at seven in the morning that's 12 hours that you've gone without any food and if you're at 50 percent fat utilization versus sugar utilization that would put you, if that were the case with you, that would have put you at about, um, oh, geez, close to 1,500 calories worth of sugar that would be going away while you're sleeping, which is pretty pretty crazy when you think about it. Which is really important as an athlete because you need that kind of stuff for the intense training. Well, what happens is let's say you woke up and you decide you're going to throw down a workout before you had something to eat. Mm-hmm. And then at your rate of work, and I'll share that, when you're at a, a moderate amount of work, well, moderate for some, I'd say uh, 150 beats per minute, 1,200 calories per hour. So if you went out and, and threw down an hour worth of work at 150 beats per minute average, that'd be another 1,200 calories that you that you pulled from your energy stores. And even if 50% of that was coming from fat, you'd be 600 calories in the hole before you even got onto your day. And now. And that becomes a hellbound train. You can't seem to get that to sort out. And then uh, habitually with time, it becomes a real problem. So getting this information up front, getting it early is really, really important for establishing a solid training program. No, I mean, dude, I was looking, I was thinking of all the numbers while I was driving home. I have an hour long drive from your house. And I, I, here's one thing that I, I was trying to break down in my head. I would run for three hours in the morning in Telluride and then bike three hours in the afternoon. And I would do that for three days straight as like a training camp. So that right there, and those, those days I was pumping 150 beats per minute the whole time, every hour. So that adds up to a lot. Yeah, I know 6,000, that's 7,200 calories just burnt in, in the exercising. And then, so let's and then it, you're, let's call it 10,000. Yeah, and I wasn't eating anywhere near that. I remember we used to sit there, and we would go to the store, and I would get, like, gigantic hummus platters, and I would get, like, a couple sandwiches. But that would add up to maybe, like, 4,000 calories. Well, let's look at it like this now, and I'm glad you brought that up, because let's say that in the course of putting together that work, 
And I understand what you were doing. You were trying to improve your aerobic base. You're trying to drop some body fat. But here's what ends up happening is that let's just say that if you did a good job, you would have come up short by about three to 4,000 calories the first day. Yeah. And then collectively, you're digging a hole. So you may notice that you're losing weight, but the most of the weight that's coming off of you is coming from muscle because your body goes into gluconeogenesis. It wants to have that sugar, and if you're not getting enough of it in there, it's mm -hmm. going to start manufacturing it. And then you get into trouble there. And then you're going to find that your cortisol levels, your stress hormones, everything starts to get jacked up and you can't sleep well. And you wake up, and then just as time goes on, you're more susceptible to injury. You could get into all kinds of overtraining syndrome, and, and it's just an ugly thing. So at the end of the day, I like to have this test conducted, and I'm glad, I'm so glad that as we're starting to get you back into your training that we got that done first, first thing. Because if we can keep you lean, keep you strong, as you produce the work, you're you're going to kill it this year. I'm happy. I'm happy, man. We uh, I'm happy to tell people uh, who didn't see the Facebook thing. I PR'd in my in my um, VO2 max, and we didn't even go for the VO2 max test. It was just a threshold test. So um, I, I think really that's a good indicator of uh, just you know good rest and um, you know it's a good it's a good base for the year. But I'm more curious to know. So let's say you keep up that, that, that problem where you're at a deficit of from anywhere from 500 calories to several thousand calories a day. Is that something that is, is going gonna, is gonna to start whacking away at people pretty quickly? Because I, I, at the end of every single season when I'm trimming calories, I end up kind of getting skinny fat. Like I, I, I remember I'm looking at these pictures. I'm running really, really well because I'm, I'm light. But I look at myself in these pictures and I look like a like – a, I look like uh, what was the name of that that doughy character? Oh my gosh! But basically, I look like um, Gumby. I look, I know, I look like Gumby. I'm like, I'm this like this noodle character. I'm like, what the flip happened to you, dude? You used to be a stud. And yeah, we had this conversation, you know, after the test, and and I was trying to make a point, and uh, I'm going to try to build on what I what we discussed. What I said was. A lot of guys are looking for that edge, and they're looking for all ways to try to manufacture an edge. And, and the, you know what I'm talking about. It could, yeah. be, it could be a supplement that, they, that is promising to give you some type of return. It might be that you put on a training mask, and you know, you're supposed to improve your O2 uptake because you use a training mask. And all these different devices and circumstances that you're, you're, you're delving off into spending money on, hoping that it's going to put you in a better place, where, in fact, probably the most powerful thing you could do is get your nutrition sorted out. And most people just take that for granted, especially if they're apparently the lean. So when you look good in your jeans, you know, you got that Calvin Klein look working, and you think, you know, you're all about the rock star look, and, and you think it's all golden. And where, in fact, daily your body could just be munching on muscle and really starting to cut into your potential for fitness. And I've said it a hundred times if I said it once, it comes down to your strength to weight ratio. And strength is muscle, and how much you're moving is your weight. And if you're sacrificing muscle to move mass, it's not going to work out for you. So it becomes a really big deal. And it's just, it's overlooked. A lot of people don't think about it. And I just, like last year, decided 
that with uh, the clinics we do as we travel that I wanted to start doing these resting tests. And most of the people that we've tested, and you asked me this earlier, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, and I'll share that you asked me, what do you figure the percentage of people are that you test, these OCR athletes, that are not getting enough food, that are underestimating what they should be getting? Are we back? We are back. Wow. We are, we are. Any thoughts about that little snippet? I just think it's eye-opening just to, you know, justify that you do really need a lot more calories than you think. Uh, like, oh, they put on the back all those nutrition labels, like, oh, based on a 2,000-calorie-per-day diet. Yeah. And uh, as athletes, I'm sure most of us assume, okay, we need a little bit more than that. But you really don't know how much you need just – to survive and then add on that extra, um, all the calories you're burning during a workout. Like he, he's hitting 4,000 calories a day on just a routine workout day. Um, so, I mean, that it's just eye opening to, to get numbers like that, um, for your rest of resting metabolic, uh, test. And I guess now if anyone, if his girlfriend complains or something, now he can justify having a, a super high grocery bill cause he's going to need all that food, but it's, it's good to, to hear that, athletes do need a whole lot more food than they realize. And by the way, we were referencing 150 beats per minute and 1,200 calories for him. Now, people that are listening to this, they need to realize that 150 beats per minute does not necessarily mean they're going to need 1,200 calories because it's very specific to the individual, the mass that they're moving, the oxygen they're pushing. It's a completely different scenario for him versus someone else. So it's just a, an important point to make because he does require a lot of food. And someone else, for example, a female at 150 beats per minute might not need but half those calories. So uh, that's what's kind of cool about having it been tested is you get a chance to get a sense of what you should or should not be doing. But I guess the, uh, the thing that people felt was the entertainment value, I guess they like to hear someone like Hunter talk about what he's doing with his nutrition or his training and uh, for whatever it's worth, but we got to pick somebody and I gave you guys a chance to look at the list. Let's see if we can find somebody to give something to. All I right. Laura, um, I think Laura's got one. I, I think I do. I think I got this. <laughs> somebody um, in Taiwan. Just, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to really stretch it this time. Um, no, we got a, a, a review on iTunes uh, made by Batten a Mike, and he just wrote a really, really nice, thorough review um, on how much he that he recently discovered you, and he's just learned so much uh, based on your insights and years of experience working in a, with the wide, wide range of individuals which you have, and he's now hooked. So. I think he definitely deserves a, a prize. The bronze, if we still got one, right? Yeah, why not? For your clinic? Yep. All Let's right. do it. As long as he's not signed up for one, we'll go ahead and give him one. All right. So, batting the mic. Are we going to give him a gift certificate, too? Yeah, absolutely. Let's give him a um, – right. we have – a $25 gift certificate for human octane, right? Yep. We got that. All right. So as far as I know, we've given away how many gift certificates, the $50, $50 ones, two? I believe, I believe it's two, yeah. 
We're kind of stingy, aren't we? We can give away <laughs> we can give away three more of those. I liked uh, Ryan Wisnowski. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but he had a pretty good comment on uh, on your Facebook page, and I, I think he deserves one. He, he mentioned the Gilbert episode and Hunter, so he fit two out of three. I'd give him something. All right, let's give him a fifty dollars gift certificate. Who else? Yeah, let's so, give somebody else something. Uh, I'd like to, uh, you know, because yeah. he uh, he commented first on the Irene Davis, but as well as just when I put it the most, but Cash Tavacoli in terms of the Irene Davis uh, episode with the mechanics of barefoot and mid- midfoot running, and then uh, asked to hear a kind of a future episode about incorporating strength training, how frequent, how much into an athlete's off season, and he did put up a review, so. Uh, I'd say uh, let's give uh, a fifty dollars gift card to Cash. And we got we got one more fifty. I think so. We got five to give away. Uh, I would like to to give a fifty away to Callie S for the running perfection, running for your life um, review. There you go. That's Callie, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, she could use some tights. We'll give her a fifty dollars gift certificate. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed, agreed. And that's all five of those, right? I think so, yeah. Okay, we've got to get some honorable mentions. We'll give the 25s away to some honorable folk. Anybody? Um, yeah, I, I, Rob Thorson, he mentioned when Steve Hammond was on it, and I thought that was a, a really cool episode on how he builds courses, and he also voted for Hunter as well. Um, and he likes the running mechanics ones as well. So I, I, let's give him one. All right. Done. I say uh, mm-hmm. Matt Kopchak, he put in terms of episodes, loves any episode where the sheriff, sheriff is involved from an information and humor standpoint. And then for a future episode, someone from T, uh, Tough Mudder HQ um, appeared to be shaking up the sport and challenging the Goliath that is Spartan in all areas. And he left a iTunes review as well. So uh, $25 gift card to Matt. Love that. What do we got? We got a couple of those left. I think we might have one or two. Let's give two away. I'll, I'll fight it out later if I'm wrong. <laughs> All right. How about we give uh, one away to Kevin Gregory with the All right. C from Rock Tape? Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Let's do it. We'll give him a $25 gift certificate. we got one more to give away. Yeah. How, how about Matt Flexer? He, he mentioned the um, recent podcast with Luminatum, which was pretty cool to hear that his VO2 max ratings were off the chart. And he also mentioned the Noah Coffin one. And I, I thought that Noah's background was really informative as a doctor and just kind of working with grip strength. And he, he just, that was a really good episode as well. So let's, let's give him that one. Done. Max Flexer. Awesome. Perfect. All right. So recap here. Um, first of all, I'm proud to say that we have been able to get a lot of good information out there. And those of these people that haven't ever listened to these episodes, you've got to go back into the archive. There's some golden stuff back in there. And incidentally, we're doing this show right now live on Blog Talk Radio. And Blog Talk Radio is where I got my start in these podcasts. And so the episodes go deep here. They go back to 2012. And the natural running network.com, which is my home site for these episodes for the past two years. I love for people to visit there 
The fresher podcasts are there. But if you go back into the archive on Blog Talk, you'll find some really, really cool stuff. Now, realize that these shows began before, at least for me, I had any awareness of obstacle course racing. So the interviews were really more with trail runners, world-class runners, triathletes. But it's all the same stuff. You know, it's endurance athletes getting their yayas out on the world and uh, a lot of really good, good stuff out there. So I would recommend highly to people that they visit the blog talk. Now, there's a difference. By the way, on iTunes, there's, you'll notice there are two natural running networks. One of them is live because it gives us the opportunity to do what we're doing right now, which is to be a live show. And the one that isn't live is where I clean them up, make them sound pretty. And uh, actually, this is really where I hope to have more people visit. So if you're a Blog Talk fan, you've been listening to us there, I want you to visit naturalrunningnetwork.com. And if you've never been to the Blog Talk show, look for Natural Running Network Live. That's all I got to say about that. Anybody have any party yeah, thoughts or statements or questions? Yeah, it just seem, it, it seems like you've kind of been going over some of the listeners' favorite episodes. Have you? What, what's your favorite like quote that you've had someone tell you or you've said or you know? Have you had any like oh crap moments or you know, any moments that are super memorable for you on the show? Well, there's been a lot of uh, hitch and giggles on the show. When we first started with Blog Talk, there was some issues where there was interruptions. The, 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 the studio would shut down or we'd get disconnected, and that was entertaining. I had an interview I did with uh, Dick Beardsley. Remember him? Probably don't. I heard the name, but I don't Dick know. Beardsley was an elite runner. He's famous, unfortunately, for the fact that he had lost to Alberto Salazar at Boston. Yeah, I'm looking it up in 81 or 82. Yeah. yeah, it was called The Duel in the Sun. So you got to realize I don't know the guy. I reached out to him. I got him to agree to do an interview with me. And he was talking, and I fell off. He soldiered on. <laughs> he, he continued to carry the show by himself for about 10 minutes while I was trying to get back online. And he didn't. He, he was saying stuff like, yeah, well, I, I'm not quite sure what happened to him, but uh, while we're here, let's go ahead and you know he started talking. It was great. He was just a he was just a great guy, and uh, but interesting story. You know, he was winning the Boston Marathon, and he stepped in a a pothole or something. No, wait a minute. He 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 he, he did something that pulled a muscle, and was limping and gave up the lead to Alberto Salazar and then hit a pothole because he kept trying to run and hitting the pothole fixed it. <laughs> so he chased him down. But the, uh, the motorcade back in the day, these motorcycle cops surrounded Salazar as he was going towards the finish line. And the motorcycles got in the way of Dick being able to pass and, and, and get past Salazar. So he lost the race because he couldn't get past the motorcade. So it was an interesting story. Yeah, interesting story. And uh, he had a lot of trouble with drug addiction. And it was just a really cool story, too. So a lot of really deep, interesting conversations we've had over the years. And to think of them all just really be hard. Because there's really, honestly, if you dig deep, I think there's a, 
I don't know precisely, but I think there's about 300 plus episodes that from the very beginning. I, I just, uh, it's been fun. It's been fun. And now, you know, back then there was nobody doing podcasts. Now everybody and their brothers got one. Um, I just, I just think it would be fun for people that have been listening or are just new to listening that they dig back and you'll be surprised what you find back there if you dig deep enough. Yeah. I think when you called out Michael Johnson, that was pretty, uh, pretty ballsy on your part as well, but yeah, you've got some gems <laughs> over the years. Yeah. Well, he had it coming. He had it coming. <laughs> Yeah, that's where I told Michael Johnson, fastest man in the world, that he ran like shit. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm known. I'm known to do that. You know what's really interesting, and I'm going to bring it up, uh, but I'm not going to use any names. But there's somebody that runs a podcast that on social media took a shot at me and said something about me kissing ass to get clients. And I thought it was really funny because of all the things you could accuse me of, I got to believe that ain't one of them. If anything, I probably step on it more often than I do anything else. Never shy for words. No, no, it's just not. They, I guess they didn't know me or don't know me very well. And I get creative Sorry, license because I got. Uh, now, Laura, are you kidding me? Right? Yeah, they, Laura, they definitely don't know you then. <laughs> Laura knows yep. me. She knows. Well, you speak your mind. There's no yeah. kissing as needed. <laughs> well, kids, listen, I thank you so much for helping me out with this. And uh, well, we've got a couple of these gift certificates left. Uh, how about uh, give, them, give them out to the first two people who sign up to one of your clinics? There you go. My, my clinics are sold out. Uh, well, the <laughs> future one. Okay, never mind. I'm just trying to be creative here. You got to give me a break. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, until I put another one up, I think for now I'm sold out. By Is the way, day the two and day three of uh, your mega clinic in January sold out? Um, no, we could take people for that, but it's really going to be packed. It's going to be packed. It really is. There's, we're going to have a lot, a lot of people at that clinic. And I'm very excited about that, by the way, because it's home turf. I'm going to take people to the beach. I'm going to beat them up on the beach. I'm going to put them on the sand dunes and beat them up in the sand dunes. I'm going to drag them up and down mountains with Yancey. It's going to be epic. I'm going to get some great video. It's going to be fun. But anyway, look, let's. Uh, we've been dragging people through the mud for the last little bit here. Jack, thanks so much for taking the time. Laura and Sean, yeah. of course. Thanks for coming. So, Laura, I'll see you in a little bit. Yeah, you will. New Jersey. Woo! Jersey, right? Bring your jacket. <laughs> I'm gonna bring my gloves too. And my long john. <laughs> we'll sing around the fireplace. <laughs> All right. Look, I'm gonna go ahead and punch out the goodbye music and thanks guys. Well friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.